Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joy today, he's an international licensed counselor, author, trainer, sports nutritionist. It's Ryan Copiard. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hey, Alex. Doing great, man. Fired up to be with you. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what did you like doing growing up? Okay. Uh, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York called Binghamton, New York. Very small little uh, kind of blue collar town. Um, my, my first home was a a trailer park. So I grew up, um, you know, kind of lower middle class, um, and experienced some challenges, which, which I think we'll get into, but, you know, typical kind of middle class played sports, um, did pretty well in school by all accounts, um, was was quite privileged, um, consider myself quite privileged. Living that lifestyle in the trailer homes, a lot of times people put a negative connotation to it. Was there anything positive or something that it taught you about yourself that maybe someone that lived in that upper class area wouldn't get that opportunity to learn? That's a good question. You know, I think for me, it was where I grew up actually was kind of the antithesis of, of what most people would think. So it was a lot of blue collar families. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were kind of uh, upper class, right, that, that was, you were kind of looked at um, as, as being a little bit different and it was more, more blue collar. So um, yeah, my, my first couple of years were in a trailer. Um, and then after that, you know, we, we moved into a regular, regular home, but yeah, Binghamton was kind of unique in that sense. I don't know if that was just me or, or what, but it really felt like a, a cohesive unit of really middle class, blue collar, uh, working families. Was it that type of town that everyone knew each other and you kind of knew what was going on in each household almost? Yeah, yeah, I would say it was something very similar to that for sure. You talked about different things that you grew up enjoying. Talk about a little bit more about those and what was excited about doing those things. Well, I love playing sports growing up. So I played soccer, I played hockey, got to travel um, all over Eastern USA and, and Eastern Canada. So I feel very blessed and fortunate to have had that experience. You know, I was I was a kid that grew up probably like like most, you know, kids my age, right? Like playing sports, try to keep my head down and do well in school. And so I would say those were kind of my, my overarching early life experiences as far as as far as that side of things go. I'll definitely say I had that same mindset. Sports, do well in school, don't focus on anything else. But I think over time, you start getting into new passions and new projects that you enjoy doing. Did you have anyone or anybody in your life that was a big influence for you? Yeah, great question. My papa, I think that everybody, or hopefully everybody, um, was blessed to be able to experience those one or two people that really believed in them and loved them unconditionally. And for me, that was my papa, my mom's father. Uh, he loved me. We went camping and fishing and up to Canada. And yeah, he, he truly, truly made me feel loved, made me feel heard, made me feel seen and believed in. So my papa, without a doubt. Is there anything your papa said to you back then that you still utilize today? You know, I don't know if there was any one particular phrase of what he said, but I know how he made me feel. I think that what often gets overlooked is people may remember or not remember what it is you say to them, but Mm -hmm. they're definitely going to remember how 
uh, you made them feel. And I remember how my papa made me feel. And in the work that I do as a counselor, I do my best to help people feel seen, heard, and loved. Did you have any challenges growing up as you gotten older, kind of before we get to that college stage or that non-teenage years? Did anything challenge you? Did you face anything? Yeah. So uh, shortly before, and I, and I write about this in my book, Unlock the Power of Your Mind, shortly before uh, my third birthday, my mother, who was a uh, secretary at a bank, uh, she was closing up the shop kind of late at night. She was eight months pregnant with my sister, Megan, at that time. And there was a burglar who had broke in and ended up raping her and killing her uh, and my unborn sister. And so that was, you know, the major traumatic event for me, which happened very early on in my life. I lost my papa when I was uh, about 10 years old. Um, so that was, you know, as, as a young kid, that was a lot of loss to go through very early on in my life. Did those, when you hear things that similar stories about a similar traumatic experience, does it always replay in your mind? And it's kind of hard to forget because you remember that moment. I still feel emotional, even as I'm speaking to you about it right now. I think that I have been able to, as I've given a new meaning to that event, actually given a meaning to it, because I don't know if for a large portion of my life, I gave a meaning to that event. Um, as I have given it a meaning to it, it allows me to tell the story mm-hmm. with a little bit of a different, I guess you could say energy. But uh, I mean, you know, that's, that's my mom and and my unborn sister, right? So there's always going to be that part of your heart there that feels that pain and that loss. How have you been able to kind of overcome it, those feelings? Do you have like something you say to yourself or like go into a different mindset? For someone that's listening that might have gone through something similar, how do you nowadays get into a different place so you're not having the emotions fill up? Yeah. Well, I may be a little biased in answering this question because I'm a counselor, but for me, the the most important step to that, you know, being able to kind of regulate that emotionally um, was seeing a counselor and really Mm -hmm. just being vulnerable and letting those feelings out. I I didn't let them out for a long time. I kept them buried down inside. Um, So it was seeing a counselor, being able to get them out. And then from there, you know, really just saying, okay, what what meaning do I want to give to this event? We can't change our past. Our past is what it is. Those past, you know, experiences and events have happened, but we can't change the meaning that we give to those events. And by changing the meaning that can change the emotions associated with them so that they don't seem so overwhelming. So anybody that's going through a difficult time right now or is struggling to regulate an emotions around a certain topic, I would invite them to ask themselves, hey, what is the meaning that I have given to this event? Because we all get to put the meaning that we want to it. I think it almost brings like a different point of view in a way. You kind of look at it from that moment that you went through. How have you grown from that experience? Or what has it brought out of you that maybe you didn't think would have it in you if you didn't go through something like that? And I know from experiences for myself, I've always looked at it as negative experiences. But it's like, what has that taught me about myself? And knowing that I'm not the only one that's gone through it, where 
people can relate, but it's like, you got to be able to voice it or even share about it because that's the power that we have nowadays is be able to speak about certain things. And you never know who you're going to find out there that has gone through something similar if you don't share about it or be open about it. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. And to expand on that, what we think disqualifies us is actually what qualifies us to be able to help people. Yeah. So, you know, for a long time, that pain, which I hadn't given a meaning to, or maybe there was a, a negative feeling or feeling of abandonment or things of that nature. Um, I didn't really see, I, I didn't realize when my dad picked me up when I was five years old and it was just he and I, and he had just gotten done working a 12 hour day and he was utterly exhausted. And we went home and we sat at the kitchen table and it was mostly dark and it was just he and I, and there was very little dialogue. He was probably in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain, right? See, I didn't realize at that time that that was equipping me to be able to sit down with other people and be with them in their pain. And that's so powerful, right? So whatever to the listeners and the viewers, whatever those painful moments are, there's power in that pain. There's purpose in that pain. And that experience can help you to your point, Alex, you know, connect with other individuals when you share it. As you're growing up, we're sometimes asked that fun question. What's that dream job that we want? What was that dream job that you were thinking about doing? Uh, being a professional hockey player. <laughs> yeah. Was there a certain team that you wanted to play for? Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, because because I was an upstate New York kid. So, yeah. Okay. Because especially with New York, it's like you got Rangers, Islanders, except aren't that Islanders in like New Jersey or something? Uh, well, the you had like actually the Philadelphia Flyers, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders were all probably equally closer or even a little bit closer uh, than, than Buffalo up in kind of the northwestern part of the state. So uh, geographically, I think all of those uh, other teams were just as close, but Buffalo was a, was a true New York team. I always love when like New York has so many teams or they're titled so many teams. It's like football. There's like so many New York teams. I'm like, I can't keep track of where these places are or what stadium they're in. Cause I come from St. Louis and blues was everything for me. My dad played hockey. I grew up as a season ticket holder. So hockey was such a big thing for me, but I'm like, I never played hockey. Like I'm always, I'm like that fan. And I always thought, what if I played hockey? Cause I played baseball, soccer and stuff. What's your favorite part about playing hockey? What was that for you? The As I reflect back now, the discipline and the learning. Okay. So I'll, I'll share an experience that just came to my mind the other day, right? So we're up in Canada playing in a tournament, and one of our teammates got rocked. I mean, he he just really got hit hard. He was not doing good. He was, like, very slow to get up. Um I don't even know if he had gotten up at that point, right? And normally, you know, when you're dealing with, I don't know, I was probably 13 or 14 years old at that time. Normally, like the parents come running down, the coach yeah. goes running out, right? I mean, you know, it's uh, that's kind of standard operating procedure. And I remember this young man's parents starting to come down. And I remember so distinctly, Alex, we, we were all kind of looking up at our coach, like, uh, coach, aren't you going to go out there? Um and, oh, man, I'll never forget. This was so impactful. 
He said he stopped the parents from going out. He didn't go out. And he said, you guys are a team. You guys are a family. You guys go out there and get him. Wow. Wow, dude. Talk about leadership. Talk about team. Talk about community and family. And I'll never forget that moment. So I think that was probably my biggest takeaway. And what I really loved was the was the camaraderie and, and the sense of team and family that developed. That's That would be shocking. Like, if I was in a crowd watching that, I'd be shocked. But like we were talking about earlier, the meaning of it, where that kid who's out there sees his whole team coming to check on him. It just shows like you are a family, like you're going to stick up for each other. You're going to protect each other. And that's something a lot of people can utilize even in like the professional world where you're a team, like you would want to make sure if someone's struggling, you're going to check on them. So that it's always crazy to think that one thing can look different, but the same in all different industries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What was next? for you college the workforce what was next in that journey for you oh so i went to the university of scranton played hockey there my my freshman year then i got really big into lifting weights and i realized uh <laughs> hey i can't really squat and go to hockey practice i've got <laughs> i've got to make my decision on one of the two so stop playing hockey um probably did a little bit too much partying and um, graduated with a degree in criminal justice took my lsats i was going to go to law school um, felt like all my friends were in New Jersey and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm feeling called to go to New Jersey. So, uh, after that ended up finding a job selling industrial adhesives. So glue, <laughs> industrial glue, right. Through a buddy of mine's uncle and, uh, got hooked up with an amazing place in a really nice town in New Jersey for like super cheap. So that allowed me to move down there on a pretty measly, uh, glue salesman uh, salary uh, and spent the better part of a decade um, in, in the New Jersey kind of New York city metro area. Do you ever think when you were going to college, I'm going to be selling glue basically <laughs> no. like you worked so hard for that degree. And then obviously it was the timing probably maybe it was, you had that goal of getting down to New Jersey and you were going to be doing anything you could to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Alex. That's that's really what it was, right? If this if this job is my way to get down there. The ironic part is that I never had a desire to sell glue. I never want to go back to it. Um, <laughs> and uh, my criminal justice degree, I, I don't utilize that either. So I guess neither of those two things um, do I really utilize in this day. Although uh, certainly I did learn a lot, um, you know, from that experience of working there, um, which serves me now as an entrepreneur. With that criminal justice degree, you mentioned that you wanted to go to law school. Was there ever a moment where you're like, maybe I could use this degree in a different way? Um, You know, I thought about being a police officer. I've got a lot of friends in law enforcement. I certainly have a lot of respect for all of those that that serve. And I work with many of them as, um, you know, in the work that I do as a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe a counselor, uh, I mean, law enforcement or or lawyer, Sometimes those can go kind of hand in hand. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I ended up going into the fitness industry after that. So it was uh, another complete different jump from, from criminal justice. You talked about where you had to choose between hockey and lifting weights, kind of your fitness. Was that a hard decision? 
or was it an easy one because you knew what was passionate for you? You know, I kind of got burned out playing hockey and I just kind of felt like this is not fun anymore for me. So I think at that point it became a pretty easy decision. I just, my heart really wasn't in it anymore. For someone that's going through burnout in like a sport, I mean, we see it a lot that people overdo it. And I think even kids, like parents really push their kids at that competitive level young and they don't make it to like the high school still playing it. What would you tell someone to going through something similar and how you found something else that you still enjoyed and go for it or stick it out? There's so many different ways that I could ask that question. Yeah. yeah. Awesome question. Two things. Have fun. Yes. That's the number one thing. Man. Have fun. Right. So have fun. Um, and play and engage in as many different things as you want. Like I played hockey year round. I played soccer and I was pretty good at soccer. Um, but I played soccer just to stay in shape for hockey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and because our football team sucks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you wanted to be like the cooler kid or, or, you know, have a better chance of getting the girls, uh, you know, you're better off playing soccer. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I got so enveloped into hockey that it really was like what I did almost a year round. I mean, in the summertime, my mom would drop me off and with my other friend and we would get on the ice at maybe 10 a.m. And I mean, we wouldn't get off the ice until three or four o'clock. I mean, she, they, they could just like leave us there. Right. <laughs> and we would just find different things to do to stay there, stay either in the rink or on the ice. So yeah, uh, diversify, but, if, but on top of all else, have fun. It's, it's about having fun. Especially the days in college, you're supposed to have fun. You're not, I mean, well, to an extent, you're supposed to have fun. You're not, you're there to get the education, but you got to enjoy. You talked about partying. Yeah. What do you mean that you party too much? Did it kind of get to be a distraction or something that kind of took your attention away from the prize? you're going for yeah i would say for sure you know uh drinking um smoking weed uh towards the end taking adderall in ways that was not just for studying right um so yeah i i definitely started to push the envelope a little bit too much in that regard yes i think when you go to school you should have fun right and and if you want to uh you know party and and do whatever that, that that's okay right i guess that's kind of part of the experience um i'm certainly happy that nobody tried to rob me of those experiences um but at the same time if we allow ourselves to go overboard we certainly can and it's good to have a support network in place right that can kind of keep us in check a little bit your college experience if you had to do it over again would you change anything or do you feel that everything you did had a meaning to it and it got you to where you are today i wouldn't change a thing i i wouldn't be here today doing what i'm doing uh if i was to lose any of those experiences not proud of some of them uh but wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for those mistakes and and be learning from those mistakes And you brought up a good point, learning from your mistakes. I think a lot of people think that they try to be perfect with everything they do. But like 
this says we rise to the challenge and you got to face all those obstacles that we face because you become even stronger when you face those fears or those challenges that we make. Yes, that's right. I can't get over that side, man. Love Love the message of the sign, rise to the challenge. That's great. I'm lucky if I point the right way because I forget. (laughs) Like, is my camera flipped? Do I got to do the, which hand am I You talked about going into the fitness industry. What was that opportunity for you? Uh, I would get texts all the time. Hey, can you show me how to work out? Hey, can you give me some nutrition <laughs> advice? Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? I was just like, oh, man, it'd be great if I could figure out a way to get paid for this. Yeah. Uh, and my good buddy posted a thing on Facebook, I think. Uh, I don't think Instagram was around at the time. Posted something on Facebook like, hey, uh, do you want to make money? Um, you know, working at LA fitness and selling gym memberships or I don't know, something about fitness. Right. And I was like, well, I'm already doing this and not getting paid. So (laughs) I can get paid all the better. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how that transition happened. What was the type of workouts were you doing? Were you going very extreme or were you doing more focusing on an end goal? Bodybuilding. Yeah. At that time in my life, it was vanity. You know, be the be the jack guy to look good at the New Jersey beaches. From being <laughs> that's what the motivation was at that time in my life. Now it's a, it's about you know clearing out my mind, but at that time, yeah, it was to look good only. Was there any inspiration in a bodybuilder that you saw that you're like, oh, I want to be like that, or was it more just the kind of the ideal of what the look was? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger pumping iron. Um, that was, I used to watch that in college daily <laughs> and, and Jay Cutler and Ronnie Coleman, those were two of the big guys back in the day. So yeah, I would say Arnold, Jay Cutler and, and Ronnie Coleman, those were some of the big guys at the time that really inspired me. Were you able to reach that potential look that you were always wanting? Would you say? Uh, I think I was very, very happy with how I was able to get things. What I would say is, is that I was searching for something external when it was really something internal that I was after. So exercise is great, right? Eating great. That's all very important. Um, but there's a whole other component to, I believe, being able to rise to the challenge and being able to live a healthy, happy life. And that is mind and body. And for those of us that are spiritual soul, right? But mind and body both have to be healthy. If one of them is out of alignment, um, it, it robs us of our truest potential. I think a lot of people wish it was so easy. Oh, I can look a certain way. Oh, I can be healthy and stuff. And I've had those challenges where I'm like, well, I'm working out, but then the other side is just not working and I give up and then you're back to square one again. And I've been on a two year journey and I'm like, it's been challenging. Let's say it's not easy. Like you go out to eat and you're like, okay. I can just go buy whatever I want and who cares about the calories, but you have to think I want to enjoy, but still be honest with myself and meet those goals. And I've been able to, with some hard work, find those, that balance. Did you have a hard time or any struggles during your fitness journey? Would you say? And I would say I'm pretty uh, humbly. I would say that I'm pretty less genetically so for me <laughs> losing weight was was never really an issue uh, putting on muscle 
but that I think is just predicated upon eating enough and, and putting in the hard work. Right. So I would say I was pretty blessed genetically uh, and that probably had a good role to play in why, you know, I accelerated in sports was because that, that stuff came pretty natural to me to be vulnerable. Uh, I would say the one area where I struggled was maybe pushing things to the max and pushing things in an, in an unhealthy way, kind of too high. Um, so yeah, that that's where the slip up was for me. What kind of things were you pushing to the max? You know, abusing anabolic steroids and, you, you know, just not really living my life in the, in the healthiest way. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'm taking this and it's making me feel this way. So now I got to take this to make me feel this way. Right. And um, yeah, that, that's not a healthy way to go about doing things. Did any of your friends or family see a difference in you going through that? Yes. Yeah. I would say kind of really at the max of things, there was different points where I was probably uh, moody and angry and not, you know, kind of being the positive Ryan. So, yeah, I would say for sure that that absolutely played a role. Was there ever a moment that was a wake up call? Like, I can't do this anymore. I got to get back to a normal way or not take these steroids or drugs and things like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was when I walked out of the post office on August 13th or 14th. I should know that day, uh, <laughs> August 13th or, or 14th in 2013, when DEA and NYPD rolled up on me with their guns drawn and I had a package of steroids in my hand and uh, they said, come with us. And so that, that was the moment for me where I said, okay, this is it. Time to make some hard decisions about how I'm going to live my life moving forward. And that was one of the questions that I asked myself when I was sitting in that jail cell. Okay, Ryan, how are you going to rise to the challenge of where you're at right now? Because this is way below what your potential is. Did that jail experience, was that a long process? Did it feel like a long time just sitting there knowing, I don't know when I'm getting out or how long is this process going to take? Because sometimes people say when they come out that for us, an hour to them seems like forever in there or like a certain amount of time feels like forever in there because you're not in that routine that you're usually in. You have people telling you exactly what to do and things like that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I particularly felt like it went um, slow. It definitely didn't go fast. Yeah. I, I think that all things considered, I, I guess, timing-wise, it didn't feel too, too long in that way. But it was long enough that gave me some time to really ask myself, is this where I want to be? Is, mm -hmm. is this who I am? And yeah, so long enough to wake me up, but not, I'm not like, you know, oh my God, I was in there for a overnight and, and it felt like a month. No, I, I wouldn't say that. It was impactful for sure though. After you got out or back to civilian life, what was next for you? Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to be just released on my own recognizance, right? So I spent that night in jail and that was, one of the most transformative nights of my life, probably up there in the top three most transformative uh, nights in my life. What happened next for me was a complete ego death. 
there was, as I'm sitting in that jail cell, I said, okay, Ryan, a part of you can die right now. And of course, I don't mean that literally. I didn't want to take my life, but said, okay, there's a part of you that can die. And when you come out of this jail cell, you have an opportunity to rise to the challenge and to live your life in a different way. Or you can go back to doing what you were doing before. And I think it was enough of a wake-up call for me when I got out. Uh, I wanted a Gatorade. I wanted some food. And I had a lot of time to sit by myself because I lost my job and lost a lot of people who I thought were friends. And uh, yeah, so a lot of time by myself to go in here and think about how I was going to rise to the challenge. Did you feel that it was now like a new chapter for you? You could start not fresh, but a new opportunity and not trying to go back into those same industries that you were in before. Mm, um, Yes, in the sense of I knew that I wanted something different, Mm -hmm. but boy, was I super confused about how that was going to work. So, yes, I knew that it was an opportunity to do something different, but I just didn't know, right? Like, okay, I've got the pen in my hand, but for all these years before that, I was living this life. Like, I was just writing my story, not thinking about it. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, everything's in my face. And like, okay, I got to write what my new story is going to be. Whoa, I don't know. That sounds scary to me. I, I, I like this old story. I thought I liked it. Did ever have any temptations? Sometimes, like, if people have gone through an experience with drugs, they sometimes are get tempted to go back into that lifestyle again. Did you ever think about, maybe I want to get back into doing steroids and getting back to that physical capability that I could have been? Or did you feel, nope, that is in the past. I'm ready for that new version of me now. Yeah, I absolutely struggled with it. And I tell people all the time, right? To think that we're going to go from here to here, like in, in, that is possible. That absolutely is possible, right? But that is not often the way that change happens, right? Um, so did I go back many times? Yes. Did I continue to, did I take a long break from a lot of other substances that I was using? Yes. Um, did I, go back to them from time to time. Yes, um, absolutely I did. And I think that that's, nobody else can tell us the process of our change story. We have to do it ourselves, right? And direct ourselves. So that was a long process for me. It took me a couple of years. And you know what? That That was all part of my process. And again, it allows me to sit down with people and not judge them if they do kind of have those slip ups because I had a lot of slip ups. I think fundamentally inside, though, I knew, okay, my potential is up here and I've been living down here. It may take me some time to get up there, right? But at least now I, I'm, I know that I'm, I'm at least somewhat on the ladder to go back up. Because before, man, I was going down. Thought I was going up, I was really going down. I think that's such a great point because a lot of people, they feel that it's going to get worse in them. And now things can change in a matter of seconds. And it's basically a mental game. Like how you put your mind to what's next for you is going to be so key. 
because you have to make sure you're positive thinking and not so much distractions, so many things that are influencing that decision in you and you got to do what's best for you. And I see that in you where you have, you had that love for what you, the life that you lived with working out and stuff, but you knew that I got to be careful in what I do with it because I don't want to repeat. I want to be, I want to enjoy it. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. It was confusing for me, right? Because I loved helping people in the gym. That's kind of how I got my my nickname, Ryan, the life change, right? Because I, people came up to me and they were like, dude, you helped to change my life. Um, and and even with some of the, the steroids, right? That was uh, helping people to change their bodies. I mean, it wasn't doing so in a, in, in a safe or healthy way, but mm-hmm. it was taking some shortcuts. But they would come back to me saying, oh my gosh, like I got this girlfriend. I feel great. I'm, I'm making all this progress in the gym, right? And that actually felt good to to you know hear that feedback right so for me it was kind of figuring out how to realign how can i continue to help people um but do so in a way that is congruent with who i want to be i want to talk about being an author when did you feel that it was my time to write a book like when did you, was there a specific time in your life that you're like, I could write a book right now and I'm, or I'm ready to share a story? Yes. I started and stopped the process many times when I got starting in like 2017. Yeah. Starting in about 2017 In 2018 in May, I had a wedding that got called off at the last second. I got fired from a job for no reason. Uh, it was, it was kind of one of these situations where I left another job to come start at this job. And then literally after like six to eight weeks, they were like, Hey, this isn't working out and oh. see you later. Um, so that really caught me off guard. Um, and then I was involved in a very serious car accident, hit from behind going about 40 miles an hour. I was stopped at a red light. So that was kind of like the bang, bang, boom of three events happening to me that really knocked me off my feet. The wedding falling apart, this lady and I were living together, fiance at the time, we were living together. Um, And so I was also kind of homeless. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about rising to the challenge and being down and out in many ways. I was, I was down and out. And I'm staying at my buddy's place, family friend who's like a brother to me. And I'm down there in his basement. And uh, again, I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? Why did this happen for me? Not why did this happen to me? And when I was able to stay in the why did this happen for me? I was like, this is it, Ryan. You're still here. You're still standing. You may not have fully rise to the challenge and conquered it but you're rising to the challenge. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got to share this story, man, to empower other people, to let them know they're not alone with some of the pain that they've experienced in their life. When someone reads your story and they're able to connect with a certain moment or something that you talk about, how what is that feeling like for you? Gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude and love, man. Because... 
Uh, I know that we are all much more alike than we are not alike. Mm-hmm. Because we're all human beings. Yep. We all, all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. We all want to be loved. Every single human being wants. I've, I've yet to meet another human being that doesn't want to be seen, heard, loved, believed in, cared, and supported. And so to have people reach out to me to say, hey, this part of the story resonated with me and this is what I've gone through. Oh, man, it's 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 the most grateful feeling in the world. It's better than any financial remuneration. I, I can agree with that. Um, I had that first moment for me. I did an interview. First time I got interviewed. And usually I'm so used to doing all the interviewing. And I was interviewed. And someone reached out to me through social media. And they're like, I was so appreciative of your story. Because I was afraid I was the only one going through it. And I I instantly connected with that person. And I don't even know this person. Yeah. And it me- meant so much because they were willing to reach out to me to say that I connected. And I always look at it. If one person can connect with me on something, I'm happy. Like, I'm not trying to do say something where it's like, yes, a thousand people are going to agree with me. No, one person hitting home for them means a lot. Right, right. Love it, Alex. Yeah. And here's the thing. We think it's one person. Could be many. But, but well, it could be many. But how about that one person? And who that one person can help. Yep. Right? You've helped to facilitate a healing in them because now they know they're not alone. Well, now what happens? They're going to go out and they're going to interact with the person at the grocery store different. They're going to interact with their sister different or their mother different, right? Or their partner different, right? So that healing of one person actually helps to facilitate healing and and spreading love and joy with so many other people. Is there ever going to be a part two to the book or do you have future books in the lineup in the future unless you can reveal yeah yeah i published a few other books um a couple wellness journals um in the middle of editing my second book which is kind of already uh out but i'm going to be doing an updated version of it's called the power of words so uh the power of the words that we use and our thoughts and how these are so powerful in creating the life that we want so um, I don't know if there'll be another unlock the power of your mind version two, but definitely I'm living my life and learning new things and learning more about myself. And I, I absolutely plan on continuing to write and put that out in the world to connect with people and to help people. When you're writing, is it easy for you to sit down and start working on it? Or do you feel that it's got to be the perfect timing or that moment is triggered and you're like, I have to start writing. I got to start writing that draft out. How does writing start for you and creating like the book? Unlock the power of your mind started when I was at my lowest of low point, really getting into writing. It started when I was at my lowest of low point. But that was a difficult process. I mean, there would be times where I would sit down on my buddy's couch, right, in his basement, and I would sit down to write, and I'd just start bawling my eyes out. I would just start really crying because there was so much pain. There's there's a, a lot of healing. It's very cathartic to write, whether that's typing or writing out or just speaking it into a dictation device on your phone or whatever the case may be. It's very healing. And so what I would say to people is this, just start, just start. 
whether that's writing something on your phone, whether that's writing in a diary or on a blank sheet of paper, um, just start writing. And once you start, it will flow. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own way of doing a task or an objective. And that's why I love it where it's not one specific way of doing it. So like I could write a book, but I might have to sit down and do it all at once, or I'm going to forget what I'm doing. But even in anyone else's, like if someone's doing a project, how do they create that project? How do they put that PowerPoint together? They all have different ways of doing it, but it's not one single way, but everyone gets the job done. Right. No matter how they get it done, it gets done. And that's the important part. It just shows the kind of the map out map planning that people do to get to that moment. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, there's almost 8 billion people in this world, right? With 8 billion different life experiences and 8 billion different stories. Um, find the story that works for you. Find the way that works for you, whether that's writing, whether that's changing your body, whether that's changing your mind. Um, yeah, you're, you're one of one. Find the blueprint customized for you. And if you don't know how to find it, reach out to a, to a coach, right? Or to a counselor or somebody that can help you. Not because they're going to give you the answers. I don't have the answers for Alex, but I believe Alex has the answers for Alex inside of Alex. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's just about helping, you know, finding somebody to help you connect to those. If you feel that you can't connect to them yourself. Talking about, we've talked about your career, but I want to talk about you personally. What is something fun you have a goal for yourself in the next few years? Mm. Wow. Speak in front of, thousands of people live that's that's <laughs> right now what i what i'm manifesting and what i'm envisioning so that would be the goal in the next couple of years yeah do a do a live motivational inspirational speech that's what i've really been focusing and thinking on and travel more i drove across country to to be with uh you know my my now uh wife drove across country and that was so cool, man, to drive across the United States of America. And it made me realize how awesome it is to just, just, just go, right? Yeah. Just, just go. So yeah, speak in front of thousands of people and travel. Those are my two biggest goals. Where was the, where was she at in your, uh, across the world, uh, across the state? I was in, I was in New Jersey. Uh, driving from New Jersey and she was in Vancouver. So I went from oh, wow. uh, Jersey to Washington. I mean, you know, that is far, far to the other side of the country as you could go. Is there one travel destination that is on like your top bucket list? Mm. You know, I can't think of any one particular place off the top of my head, but I love beaches. So anywhere where there's a good beach, man, sign me up for a trip there. You know, that's so interesting you say that because you talked about Canada and stuff and I'm thinking, okay, he's likes the nature. He It's the nature points or things and that kind of stuff. And then you said beaches. I'm like, hold on, this surprised me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. New Jersey has a lot of beaches and I love the beach, man. I vacation in Florida. And so I love the beach, but the Pacific Northwest is also very, very beautiful. And so, yeah, it's um, really inspired me to not get so like zoned in on just any one thing and really be open to a whole bunch of different things. But yeah, in, in my heart, show me a different, <laughs> show me a different beach. I think that's where you get me. 
I mean, if listeners are listening, the only beach he's talking about is the Jersey Shore. Because <laughs> I know is what the Jersey Shore is. <laughs> As I was doing a little research on you, you do interviews yourself. Yes. How has that experience been for you as a fellow interviewer? What have you learned about yourself doing those interviews? Oh, so much. I'm, I'm always interviewing people. I'm so curious about people. I have to hold myself back from wanting to ask you questions right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, I think you don't, you don't have to be an interviewer, right? Or you don't have to have a podcast to learn from other people. Just exactly. ask them about their story. Ask them about their day. Ask them, you know, hey, I love that sweatshirt. Where, you know, where did you get it? Or your sweatshirt says, you know, St. Louis, Missouri. What's St. Louis like, right? Like, yeah. So um, I, I was very blessed to be able to interview some very successful people. And that was awesome. It was a cool experience. But guess what I learned? They breathe oxygen just like you and I do. <laughs> yep. Right? And um, so it, it's just about, hey, what are some little different tips and tricks and quirks maybe that they used? And what could I use to implement that into my life or to work to teach other people? But yeah, interview everybody. Be curious. And even going off of that is like, you don't have to have like a journal journalism degree or to do interviews. And I love how people are like, well, I went to school for this. I went to school to edit. And I'm thinking, I have none of that experience. I learned everything on my own and it's been worth it because I'm keep learning. And even going off of the, the guest list, everyone, you can have the most famous person in the world. They're still a normal human being. They are still normal. They still do the daily things that you do. They just have a different career, a different job than you do, but they still struggle. They still have those challenges. And I love learning about those things because I can always take something from my guests, one thing, and utilize it in my life because that's how impactful every interview I do. No matter if I have no relations to what they've gone through, I can still learn from them. Right, right. I love that attitude, Alex. I think you're absolutely right. From a professional standpoint, what does the future look like for you? So continue to write more books, continue to grow my, my private practice. Um, you know, obviously I, I work in three geographical areas, Washington State and Oregon, USA. And I'm also credentialed in uh, British Columbia, Canada, the province of British Columbia. I recently released, and I have a gift for your listeners and viewers, uh, digitalwellnessofficer.com is an online e-learning holistic wellness platform for all of your listeners. They can use uh, the promo code podcast and get free access to one of the courses that they choose. I really want to start to expand into more um, digital delivery of different, you know, health and wellness services. Cause I'm only one person and I only have a limited number of hours in the day. So if I can figure out a way to kind of help people at a, at a bigger scale, mm -hmm. then it allows me to help more people without, you know, having to take more of my time. So that's kind of my professional goal is, okay, how do I start to be able to help people on a bigger scale, but with a lot of the different tips, tricks, and knowledge that I teach people one-on-one -on -one in my work. 
The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Love it, man. Rise to the challenge. You you have, even if you are at your lowest point in your life, and to whatever the listener is out there. I don't know what that lowest point is because I don't, I don't know who's listening to this, but I do know this. You have greatness within you. You have the strength within you to rise to the challenge. You have the strength within you to overcome whatever it is that you're facing right now. You don't have to believe it. There's some bald guy who I've never met who's telling me that I've got the strength inside of me. You don't have to believe it. Know that I believe it. And I believe that it's possible for you. I don't have to know you to believe that it's possible for you. Because mm-hmm. Alex has overcome them. I've overcome them. And you can overcome them too. If you need somebody in your life that can help to hold that belief for you, until you can start to pick up on some of it yourself, that's okay too. But whatever it is you're facing on the other side of that pain, on the other side of that trauma, on the other side of that challenge, if you grow through it, there is a beautiful version of you waiting. Nobody forces you to go rise to the challenge. You get to do it in your own way, in your own time. But on the other side of all of that is a version of you that you can never imagine. It's filled with love, joy, peace, happiness, courage, and strength. And it's so amazing. And I just want to let you know that that version of you is on the other side of all of this. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate your time, man. And, and I love that sign. You inspired <laughs> me to go get a sign like that, man. But thank you for all that you do. And man, I love the fact that you're like, hey, I'm just going to dive into this and, and just go. And um, I was checking you out on social media and, and I can tell you're really helping a lot of people. You have a great energy about you. Uh, so I recognize that in you. And uh, yeah, keep keep doing your thing, man. Tune in next time here my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full link episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.